You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 289. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Peter. That's me. And this week on the Family Gamers Podcast, we have an old friend, but also kind of a new friend, I guess, <laughs> on this episode of the show. Hello, T. How are you? Hello. I am. I'm well. I mean, I have a Kickstarter that's running actively right now, and we're like fulfilling the physical products for another one also at the same time and PAX is in four days I'm doing great considering (laughs) good answer so I can hear all the people that are like wait hold on but Habit doesn't do Kickstarters so talk to me (laughs) give give us the like 30 second introduction yeah the 30 second introduction is um, I was at Haba yes and I've been on this lovely podcast before for Haba but I left at the end of last year, I decided to leave Haba and pursue my own stuff. And so um, what that ended up being is that I became co-founder of a small studio called Snowbray Studio at the beginning of this year. And we are an LGBTQ plus company working on making family-friendly games that are fun uh, and meaningful in different ways. So, Yeah. Snowbright technically did exist before me joining. Um, They were a contract for hire studio, mostly working on video games for like museums, schools, universities, that kind of thing. So a lot of their stuff that they've made over the years, not publicly available. You can't search for it, that kind of stuff. End of last year, they had some downtime between contracts and they were like, let's make this role-playing game. We've always like joked about making and they did, and it funded on Kickstarter, and it did really well. And that's the one that we're physically fulfilling. The PDFs went out uh, last year, uh, and the books are now printed. And according to my email, they are waiting at the... They just got to the fulfillment center. So we're, we're getting those books, the hardback books, uh, fulfilled. If you're curious, it is a role-playing game. It's called Tea Time Adventures, and it's a cozy, non-violent role-playing game for your friends and family to go on adventures, solve mysteries, help villagers in the quaint village of Oakenbend. And tea plays a tea is like a like the beverage, not me. Uh, is a key <laughs> part of the game. There's lots of cozy stuff. Like you can have conflict and conflict resolution without violence, and they do a really great job of it in the adventures. But there's like this huge world in the book, and then there's four pre-written adventures. So yeah, if you're interested in that, it's called Tea Time Adventures, and it's the digital is available now, and the physical will be available as soon as the Kickstarter fulfillment's done. So yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Second half of the show. Yes. And we're going to talk about Birds of a Feather. Oh, yeah. Also in the second half of the show, which is the Kickstarter that's currently going on right now. Oh, yeah, that one. I forgot about that. I I forgot that was a thing. (laughs) I bet you did. But first, as always, I have a fact about this episode number. Okay. It's been a little bit, so it's episode 289. Mm -hmm. This is kind of weird. So not too long ago, 
I want to say two months ago, maybe a new world record was set. I feel like sometimes I just kind of default to world records because they're amazing. I mean, sure. But, you know, they're cool. Yeah, this was back in February. The world record was set for the heaviest strawberry. Oh, in <laughs> it was February. 289 grams, which is about 10 ounces, which is a very large strawberry. It looks like a like a mutated strawberry. It, I have a picture of it here. We'll include picture, it yeah. in the show notes. It's like the size of your hand. Yeah. Yeah, it's rather enormous. I will send this over to you, Key, so we can get a, a, a real life reaction. Here we go. Wow, that is like <laughs> that's like a human heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does it kind is. of look like that, like a seeded heart. Yeah, like every one of those seeds is going to fall off and, and oh. grow a new human heart. Well, it's, uh, yeah. it says uh, it's it's eighteen centimeters long. 34 centimeters in circumference. So it's more than a foot around if you measure oh the circumference my. of it. But it's still only like an inch high. So yeah. it's how, really weird. It's a, how big is a human heart? I'm just <laughs> now, it's where I've gone. I think a human heart's bigger. It's got to be bigger. Oh, it's got it's to weigh more too. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's got more in it. Oh, what? No. <gasps> a human heart. I've lost, I've used the tab that had the thing. Okay. The average human heart weighs from 280 to 340 grams. Holy cow! So, it is, is, in fact, the size of a human wow. heart. It's the size of a human heart! <laughs> but not a record-setting human heart. Like, this no. is a record-setting strawberry. Wow. I, I will also say, having seen this strawberry, I, I don't think I ever want to see a strawberry this big again. It looks kind of gross. It could feed your entire family. Yeah, it's not um, an appealing It's not an appealing thing. No. A human heart, uh, it is, uh, on average... 12 centimeters long, eight to nine centimeters wide, and six centimeters front to back. Yeah, so so this kind of looks like a human heart that's been squashed. Oh. Just a little bit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, a little bit. I'm a little heart sick here in this whole oh. thing. Okay, right. anyway, anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so that is my fact for the episode 289. All right. Well, and I have a fact from our sponsor, First Move Financial. It's tax time. Just in case you didn't know that and you live in the United States. By the time this comes out, it. like if you forgot, like <laughs> drop get what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, do it. One time I will say you should probably stop listening to the podcast <laughs> to take care of your taxes. Did you know most people pay down debt, pay for mid-sized goals, or save with their tax refunds? Many financial experts out there will tell you not to get a refund because it means you're giving Uncle Sam an interest-free loan. But First Move Financial disagrees. If you are more likely to use your refund to save or to pay down debt than if you got that extra, you know, 50 bucks a month, let Uncle Sam have it for a few months so you get it all at once and make better choices. I get that. I mean, last year we got a tax refund and used it to pay off the car. So yay. Yeah. Uh, so we've done it. Made it feel easy. If you want to talk to First Move about other habits you can build to take that next step towards your goals, go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and schedule a free call today. Thanks so much to First Move for sponsoring this episode of the show. All right. Well, T, I know that uh, while you're running a Kickstarter, you have lots of free time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so what have you been playing? It's that time of the show where we talk about some games we've been playing. Well, actually, I don't I don't have a lot of free time, but um, my partner is fabulous and has been like forcing me to do free time things. 
<laughs> so downtime every once in a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we recently have been playing Unmatched again. Yes. Because I so just picked up the, uh, was it Cobble and Fog? One. That is the, it's the best. It's the best set. Uh, I mean, uh, I okay. love okay. Little Red. I'm just gonna. Okay. Okay. That as a, but as a set, I mean, the body of work yes. in Cobble and Fog is. Is the most impressive. But I it's, agree with you. Good. Our daughter plays with Little Red a lot. Yeah. We pre-ordered through our local game store the one that's coming out, the Jurassic Park one with the T-Rex. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one looks so cool. Yeah. I want it so bad. So we, to like get us through the long, dark, cold <laughs> nights uh, without a T-Rex, we've been playing. Uh, we I purchased Call of Bog and we've been playing that one. So yeah, that one that we've been playing yeah. that, we just, we're not going to get everybody because a yeah. lot of the appeal for us is like playing certain type like characters yes mm-hmm. sure yeah. so but we have deadpool and we have the cobble and fog and we have the little red one and then we have bigfoot and robin nice. hood yep and at this point we just like to play deadpool versus like all of them it's just the <laughs> yeah. Just, just, yeah what are we playing tonight well deadpool versus right right that's yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we yeah. uh just last week we released our review for unmatched battle of legends volume two Oh yeah! Oh, I can't do that one because of the Bloody Mary part. Oh, it's, it's so pretty creepy. Freaky. It's, it's pretty too creepy. good. It's, it's I. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's pretty. I, it's really good art and creepy. Like if if you, <laughs> yeah. I just I am too horror averse. <laughs> Uh, cannot yeah, do. I, Bloody Mary gets the least play out of that set for exactly that reason. Well, yeah. she's also kind of hard to play. Like, she's got higher speed, but she's like a hit hard kind of character and has no help. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. a harder character to play. Yeah. You gotta get in, get out with her. That's the... Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Arrange your turns to allow you to do the things to have extra actions. Because she can have extra actions, I think, if you start your turn with three cards. Imagine that. Three. Surprise, surprise. It's so creepy. All right. Well, on this side, we've been playing decidedly less creepy games. I'm going to mention a game that we've been playing a lot, and that is Flip Picks from Amigo. This is a game that looks a lot like Spot It. It's a little round, Mm. basically tin with circle cards. The cards on one side have pictures of things and uh, just like spot it. And on the other side, they have letters. You just deal out the cards. And what you're doing is there's a card in the middle that either has pictures or letters face up. And it's kind of a race to somebody putting down a card on top that has a picture that matches one of the letters. So like if the F is on there and you have like a fruit you could put that on top and say fruit. And then everybody flips their hand over. And so now they're they're looking at, at all letters so that they can find a letter that matches one of the pictures that's on the flip picks card that you just put down. Somebody does that. And then, you know, everybody flips over again. And now you're trying to match a picture to the letters, et cetera. Yeah, it's very simple in concept, but it definitely uses a different combination of skills than I expected, uh, which means like, our kid who's really good at memory and observation struggles a little bit because they can't come up with the words fast mm. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he, he has a tendency to like really focus on like the first two cards and just mull them over and find a solution. And that's not how you play this game. You have to like very quickly kind of go through your stuff and see if something just kind of catches your interest. And it's, it's really difficult for him, which is really interesting because he's su- super smart. Like he's the kind of kid who could remember every picture that's on his cards. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it's just but really it's finding it. the right one at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. super great casual game. I mean, you could bring this to a restaurant. It's like a little. It almost looks like like a tobacco tin kind of thing, or like <laughs> it a, looks like, like a, a shoe polish tin, or like um like a fruit by the foot container, like something <laughs> like that. You know, like 
bringing it back that, down to the yeah you know, the back PG-13 to the, you know, yeah. yeah yeah i don't know something like that that's kind of what the 10 thing looks like fair so, enough so that's flip picks from amigo we've also been playing some viral with the hive expansion viral is a area control game it's a very cute very well-made area control game yeah um and we reviewed it five years ago now crazy but the hive is an expansion that does two things very well and leaves the rest of the game alone, which is fantastic. (laughs) So with the hive, it basically adds asymmetric player powers to this game that didn't have them before. So it really forces players to make different kinds of decisions like, oh, this is going to work better for me because I have these kind of powers. This is going to work for me because I have these kind of powers. And that wasn't there before. (laughs) And by adding a few more cards and the player powers, They make it so that the two-player version of the game is actually playable. Before, when you had two players, you had to have an automata to be a third player. And it was just messy. And now you don't have to do that anymore, which is great. So the thing I love about this expansion is that every one of the different viruses gets a thing of four cards that kind of make up their picture. There's a word for that that I can't remember right now. And as you upgrade the four different Abilities, powers, you yeah. flip them over and it just like artistically like makes a nastier looking version of your virus. Yeah. I, I just think it's clever. And I really like the fact that, you know, unlike the original game where you're just like, I don't know, that guy looks cool. I want to be him. The player powers, the asymmetric player powers actually matter. Yeah. They give you a reason to pick one color virus over another. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I really like this guy. He's all about moving fast. I really like this guy. He's all about creating uh, these crises, which are kind of half good and half bad. Like they distribute more points, but then they kill off a bunch of viruses. Mm -hmm. So each one of the five different characters now has different things going for it. And I like that it's a pretty small box with a small amount of components. Yeah, and And once you you open it up, you can just... Stick it in, it in the, the base box game box and, and you're good to go. Yeah. So this is not a game that, you know, has a bunch of minis and goofy stuff and stuff like that. It's, it's all cardboard tokens. Yeah, it's cards and tokens. It's good. So it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Thanks. All right. What else you got on your list, T? Oh, I mean, that's kind of it. Um, <laughs> that's okay. It's, well, yeah, the, we just, I just haven't had a ton of time to play. We played Patchwork Express recently. That's that's about where I am in a brain level scale, if we're quite honest. That's okay. <laughs> I really like Patchwork. I am not good at it. I just am not good at it. And so we got Patchwork Express back when it released. I think I, I got it at the Essen Spiel that it came out at. And I kind of got it as like a... I really want to try it so I can like talk about it and be educated. This is back when I was yeah. like, I can work in the industry and be a reviewer. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Yeah, but now it's my preferred way to play patchwork because it plays in like half the time. It takes up half the table space. This is like a roll and write kind of patchwork, right? So- no, th- that is patchwork doodle. Oh. <laughs> For shame, Anitra. <laughs> you don't know all the different patchworks? What, what is wrong uh- <laughs> with you? No, this Patchwork Express is one that they did with like, it's meant for kids. <laughs> so it's, uh, I think it's for like ages six and up. It's the same patchwork rules. It's patchwork. But instead of a nine by nine quilt, you're making a seven by seven. So it actually is half the amount of squares that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then the pieces are a little bigger to compensate. And so you're using, there's less pieces. So then the game takes less time. Less time. But yep. the mechanics right. are exactly the same. And it's about the level that I can handle with Patrick before I like rage out because my partner is really, really good at polyomino games. 
he cannot pack a suitcase. He cannot pack a car. He cannot organize a cabinet or a fridge. But if he can put 2D Tetris-y shaped tiles into any space you want. If you give him a Phil Walker Harden game, he will destroy uh, it. This is, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is me. That you've basically yeah. just described me. Um, the, the only real life like estimating and fitting that I can do well is what size container do we need for the leftovers? Because leftovers are a fluid. <laughs> that, that is an important skill. That is an important skill. <laughs> but anything else where it's like packing the car or something, I'm like, uh, maybe over here. And Andrew's just like, just get out of the way. I'll, I'll <laughs> we each have our separate skills. I'll pack the car. You wrangle the children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So he is the same way. So it's like, it's a given, it's a given at this point where if it's a like oh, feast for Odin, uh, <laughs> any Phil Walker Harding game. Yeah, he's going to win. So Patchwork Express, I still enjoy. He is going to win it every time. But like, at least I can enjoy the experience. So It's, it's a shorter death march. Than yes, the other ones. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, last night I wanted to play a game, but Anitra was too tired because it was I, late. It was very late. And so I pulled out a game that could be played solo or up to like six people. And this is a game called Suspects from Hachette. Um, I think it's technically from Studio H, I think is the imprint that published this game. So this is a like a one hour preview. I think the the actual game is three different cases that you're trying to solve. And they're, yeah, so they're the kind of these like detective mystery kind of things with these oversized cards. And uh, you open the, you know, the opening booklet. It's not really like an exit. It's it's just like a mystery, like kind of like a detective kind of thing. Okay. But the neat thing about this is unlike a ton of those games, where there's a timer involved and you get a higher score if you solve it faster. The timer, air quote, in this game is the number of cards you need to look at to solve the mystery. So, like, it's literally a card count thing. And so, like, in some way, like, there's certain things, I don't want to give anything away, but there's certain things, like, if you decide to look over here first, you're going to find something that's going to be like, oh, okay, this is a very clear lead. And let me figure out a couple of things. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, it's like I did, did terribly at this thing. Like, I'm glad that I played the intro so I can be like, OK, oh, you're serious. You want me focused? I am like looking for like little tiny things. And like I'm interviewing people and I have to like run people's interviews up against each other to find out if they agree with each other or like somebody describes something and I have to like look at the pictures on the other cards to see if what they're describing is consistent with what actually happened based on the evidence that you can see. Like, so this is a take notes game. Yes. They say like get a piece of, uh, you know, a piece of paper and a pencil at the beginning, but like so do the exit games and like occasionally you're kind of scrawling something there. No, this game is not messing around. Like seriously. This take is notes. like, no, no, you, you need to pay attention. Like, and you can All have right. the cards out and like refer back to them. It's not like you can't look at them. But when I got the thing at the end where they were like, okay, so here's what really happened. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like there's three things in this one. It's like, who is the murderer? Why did they kill the person? And I don't even remember what the third like thing was. And the way it was is like, if you used between... Um, you know, X and Y cards, you get five points if you got this answer correct. If you use between Y and Z cards, you get four points. If you use between Z and Alpha cards, we'll say, which is like all of the cards in the deck, you get three points. And that's true for all three of them. So the max you get is 15 points. I got six. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was not easy, but it was very interesting. 
And so we got the kind of that preview case and we also got, you know, the main box with three cases in it. And now that I'm a little bit more like equipped for, you know, the assault of mystery that's going to come my way when I try another one of these, I might do better. It'll also help to like have people to work with. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a multiple pairs of eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like, oh, there's this microscopic thing in the corner of this card that you just, you know, you need glasses so you can't see it. Like, there was nothing like that. But I'm thinking it's like an exit or something where it's just like, oh, hey, I noticed this. And then you can show somebody else to be like, do you see it too? Sure. Yeah. So that was Suspects from Studio H. All right. And we'll play those some more. I have uh, two more quick ones. A little while back, I got A Gentle Rain, which I had really been wanting. And thank you, Andrew. But I pulled it out to play the other day. And then I noticed one of my kids was kind of grumping around and just unhappy about everything. Like, kids do that where it's just like, I just want to be grumpy right now and nothing is going my way. And so I kind of called them over. I'm like, you know, look at how you play this game. And like, can you help me figure out where to put the next tile? And by the end of the game, being able to focus on that kind of lifted their mood and helped them forget all of the things they were being grumpy about. Like nothing actually changed, but the power of cooperative games to But I feel like that's literally the point you. of that game. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and it really is. Like it says, like, sit down, relax, take a deep breath. And so, yeah, I'm here to testify that it works. <laughs> testify. <laughs> testify. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think the only other thing that's on our list is Pika Mouse. Pika Mouse. I think you mentioned last week, but I actually played it with you. This game, also from one of the Hachette Studios, is this very cute kind of memory game. The thing that sticks with me about this game is that the industrial design is brilliant. It is amazing, but it's a memory and observation game. You can't get by with just one or the other. You need to be good at both. Because you're looking through the windows of this little mouse house for all the tokens that are in there. And then when the time is up, you can't look in the house anymore because there's a timed flashlight, basically. You turn on the flashlight, everybody looks through the windows. And when the flashlight turns off, okay, we're done. And then you have to answer questions about what was in the house. Like what was where, what side was this token on? You know, was the button token on the green circle side or the pink square side? Stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely a game. This is a game that definitely scales because we played it on what difficulty three? Three out of four. Out of four. And we did not get a perfect score. We We almost did. We missed it by one. But, like, obviously, with younger kids, you're going to want to scale it down. And we could have played it at a harder difficulty level. Yep. So, there definitely is range there. Obviously, this is a a much more casual game. This is not, you know, like a a crunchy Euro or something like that. It's a little bit more chill, but it's pretty fun. It's really fun. And uh, and yeah, again, like smart design, super smart design with with the way this all comes together. Super great. Nice. That sounds really interesting. That's actually, I mean, there's a game coming from Haba that I worked with and worked on to bring over that sounds like a toddler version of that. So (laughs) there you go. Right. Yeah, I think Pika Mouse probably scales down to about age five or six. I wouldn't go much younger than that. Not because there's any reading, because there's not, but more just the attention span. You're supposed to play it over four rounds, stuff mm. like that. All right. And that's what we've been playing. That's it. I, that's yeah. the whole list. That's okay. That's enough. It is a busy <laughs> season of life right now. Yes, for it all is. Of us. It's it's we're getting there. We're in April. May is when things start to ease up for the summer. Maybe, I hope. Convention season is starting to get more intense. But other than that, you know, for us, it'll be a little easier. So, 
I mean, uh, next week is spring vacation. So hopefully that means more board games and not just me running around screaming at kids. <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. Next week is PAX. You'll see an intro at PAX. That too, yeah. <laughs> I will so, see you at PAX. Yeah. I might be there for one day, maybe. Possibly. That's all we know. Yeah. But what I do know is we're going to take a break. Yes. There will be a snap review, probably. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Snowbright Studios. And I want to ask questions about Tea Time Adventures. I want to ask more questions. And Birds of a Feather. We're going to talk about that as well. We'll be right back. Almost four years ago, we reviewed Viral. Viral is an area control game with an interesting premise. You play as viruses infecting a human body and vying for who can control the most valuable organ zones before being cured. Now, an expansion is available. Does it make a good game even better, or does it bog it down with too much to do? This is a snap review for Viral the Hive. Viral the Hive is an expansion to the area control game Viral by Antonio Sousa Lara and published by Mebo Games and Arcane Wonders. The original game, which we reviewed in 2018, and we'll link to that review below, plays in about 60 to 90 minutes with three to five players. We think it's best for ages 10 and up. It says two players on the box. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, Anitra, let's talk about the art in Viral. Sure. There's only a little bit of new art in The Hive. You get a much larger close-up of your chosen virus character, which is cool, mm. plus a powered-up super virus version. It's gross. I wouldn't want that in my body. <laughs> it's even weirder and more gross than the original virus. There's also an additional mutation card called Basic Versatile, and it follows the same pattern as the original game. Just as importantly, the new cards and the tokens fit the old style exactly. They will not be a distraction. It's basically going to look like they're parts of the main game. We've already just mixed them in. It's fine. Yeah. So let's talk about the mechanics. How does the Hive play and change things up? The Hive adds more virus tokens, an additional starting mutation card for each player, which we already mentioned. But the real jewel here is two new mechanics, the Hive and asymmetric player powers. So as part of setup, each player gets to place their Hive, boop, attached to an organ. The hive kind of acts like a connected organ, like an extra little organ there for the purposes of movement, but it's immune to both crises and cures. During card selection every turn, players may infect their hive with one of their virus tokens for free. These virus tokens then act normally and can be moved by playing cards just like any other virus. But during a player's turn, they can discard viruses from their hive to pay the cost to flip one of their upgrade cards to that super virus side, which unlocks a special ability for the rest of the game. So each of the five player viruses has different abilities, which focus on different particular aspects of the game. With the hive expansion, viral lasts for five rounds instead of the original six. But remember you mentioned that two player thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you play... Two-player with the expansion, there's no longer a kind of third-player automata thing. So let's talk about what we expected from this Hive expansion. Sure. So I love Viral. I mean, this is a great game. It's a wonderful introduction to area control for a more advanced kid. Uh, it was the first area control game that our son Asher ever played, and he loved it. And we were really looking forward to a way to kind of make it feel fresh again. 
The super virus art on the box was a subtle change, but we really liked it as we began to examine it. Mm -hmm. Every virus is just a little bit different and a little bit scarier. A little bit. Sometimes a lot bit scarier, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what surprised us about Viral the Hive? The first surprise in The Hive was just how much we liked those super virus abilities. Oh, absolutely. They really made a difference in the way each of us played since each virus focuses on a different strategy. One of them makes your movement better. One of them helps your attacks or your absorption, crises, or even just using the hive itself. So instead of just picking a virus, because it looks different because they were all the same in the base game, everyone actually has a preference on which virus they really use. Our other pleasant surprise was the newly revamped two-player game. Instead of the old automata, you just play the game as normal, but each player needs to have two viruses in every organ in a zone to control that zone. Much simpler, and this slight modification makes it so much easier to play. And therefore, much more likely that we'll actually pull out the game to play when there's only two of us. I also really like how this is the same core game with just a few well-placed adjustments. You don't have to relearn the game or have it be a different game or anything like that because the expansion changed everything. It's just well-placed changes in a couple of, of places. The teach for this was literally five minutes long, but it's so deep with all those asymmetric player powers. So do we recommend the Hive expansion to Viral? Well, I mean, look, it adds exactly what we would hope it would add, a reason for players to try different play styles. It also shortens the game a little bit, and it makes it easier to play it with two players. Everything about the Hive makes Viral easier or more interesting. Except for finding a place to put the player hives without blocking important information. Now that we've played it a few times, I don't think we'll ever play Viral without the Hive expansion. It fixes problems that existed in the original game and adds just the right amount of new interest without actually making it more complex. It's a great addition to an already great game. Mm -hmm. So, Andrew, what do you think we should rate Viral the Hive? Well, I think we're going to give this our best possible snap review rating. We're going to give Viral the Hive five out of five mutations. And that's Viral the Hive in, in a snap. snap. So we are here with T, and it is time to talk about Snowbird Studios and Tea Time Adventures and Birds of a Feather. Yes. So, All those things. So we started talking a little bit about Tea Time Adventures, non-conflict role-playing game. Talk about this a little bit more. So you play as, <laughs> are you playing as people? Are you playing as animals? Like what? You are playing as fantasy creatures, fantasy people of different ancestries and heritages. Technically, it's a 5e compatible system, so you could take like okay. any 5e character system and like drop it in this world. But there is also six unique heritages that you can play as. Snowbury Studio is, is really big on being inclusive, accessible, approachable, celebrating diverse audiences and stuff like that. And they wanted to make the game kind of like where you don't even think about it like you don't even realize until you're halfway through the game that it's like really good at representation of these different heritages mm -hmm. so you can kind of just play there's these six core heritages and then you can play different mixes of them kind of like how in D&D which is I think the system people are kind of most aware of you can play like a half elf it, like the the races that are like combos between two races in D and D are always yeah. they have to be specific. Like it's it's really hard to play like a half elf half orc, right? 
Uh, <laughs> like you can you can do like a multi class like ranger or thief or whatever. But so with tea time adventures, there's a lot of options. But the different heritages that are created in the world and in the book are more along the anthropomorphized animals situation. So there's okay. Okay. yeah. So there's uh there's a species that's like based kind of around deer. Um, one that's based a couple around birds. There's a couple that are more like fairy style, but not really fairies. So yeah, yeah. but the adventures in the book that come with it take place in a village called Oakenbend. And there's a lot of NPC characters that uh, you basically will just fall in love with. Uh, and you help them with their random uh, drama to, to like <laughs> the first adventure, which is the one that was kind of a, as a test adventure on the Kickstarter and, and marketed. So I don't feel too spoilery saying is um, there is an annual pie baking contest and all of the p- competitors pies have been sabotaged. What? Oh no. <laughs> so you have to go around the village and interview everybody and try and figure out, uh, how the sabotage happened for each of the pies and and what was the motive behind it and like what happened and who done it basically. Mm. Yeah. So that's the kind of like hard hitting adventure <laughs> <laughs> you can have. But one of the really cool things that they did is that adventure includes at the beginning a recipe for a pie that you can I, make. I'm really kind of okay, yeah. pie right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but every adventure that is in the book has a recipe that goes with it and a tea recommendation for like this beverage would be good for this adventure and this <laughs> meal, like this snack for your game group. <laughs> nice. It's just insanely wholesome and cute. It's just like if you look at the cover, you're just like, "Oh, yes. Yes. This is like let's have a warm cozy time." <laughs> well, we will try to include a link to that in the show notes. So, if you're curious, you can definitely Take a look. I'm interested in kind of exploring how conflict resolution works out because, you know, you said it's a, it's a 5e compatible system. So obviously, I mean, if it's nonviolent, you're using like abilities and stuff more than you would be using any, any kind of weapon. Like what, what has replaced weaponry <laughs> in kind of this environment? So the, the system, the stats and whatnot in Tea Time Adventure are different. It's not the 5e stats. They're similar and there's some alignments, but it's not a direct, oh, this is this, this is that. And it's kind of more of the like, instead of talking about strength and like D&D does this as well, right? Like strength doesn't necessarily mean how hard you can swing your hammer, right? but that kind of becomes the focus in D&D, right? That's why people do stat mods. They're not sitting there going, well, I might have to lift a boulder, like, it's more of, oh, I can't bash this boulder with my war. Maybe I can lift it. Can I lift it? Is that a thing we do in this game? Oh, yeah. it's, not, it's not the default. Yeah. So um, Tea Time's Adventure, the stats and, and whatnot are written to be more in a way to, like, make you inherently kind of think about that and to try and think around solving problems with different skills, like talking, doing different things with nature, doing different things with, like, physical aptitude. So... There's actually a stat and like it kind of determines if you're clumsy or not. <laughs> so <laughs> Anitra has maxed that stat out hey. or, or, mini- or minimized depending on which hey. way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so that's kind of the stat blocks. And then how you deal with conflicts and stuff track into a lot of different physical things. So the conflicts that happen in the game and the adventures 
not every conflict is inherently something that will lead to violence. Like if you think about everyday life, you have a lot of conflicts that happen probably on a daily basis that you don't solve with violence. Uh, I assume. Hardly ever. (laughs) Hardly ever with violence. I mean, the other people involved in the conflict are often solving it with violence. I mean, I've held children apart a couple of times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but, but, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So the game, dexterity. the game encourages players and GMs to like focus and look at that kind of stuff. So talking is a big part of it. But there's also things that you can do. Like some of the conflicts might be like, it's literally a race. Can you get to this thing in time to stop this other thing from happening? Or uh, a lot of it is you have to think about like a solution. There is spoilers. My favorite adventure involves time travel. Just going to put that out there. All right. All right. There's a lot that happens in that adventure. And like, there's, you can't solve that with violence. Like, how are you going to stop time travel? I mean, I know how you could stop some time travel with violence, but uh, <laughs> in general. Did just come out called That Time You Killed Me that involved time travel? Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Fact. Yes. That is actually, in fact, I did. Yeah. That's a, that, I haven't played that one in a while, but that one is a good one. We've recently played games. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that like, Role playing has kind of become standardized in the idea of the con- of the concept of murder hobos. Yes. Yep. And and this game really is it works hard to just be like actually that's not what the default is and let's, should be. Let's reject you- that idea entirely and mm. do yeah. Something. So, but you can still have tension and you can still have like puzzles and stress about like how am I how are we as a group going to solve this problem that doesn't necessarily have to end in. Did I roll a high enough stat to stab this guy? (laughs) Well, I will say the cover has the cutest crocodile that I've ever seen, or maybe alligator. I don't know. It depends on whether or not he'll see me later or see me in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. You got that one was good. You got me with that one real good. Welcome but, to the land of dad jokes. Yeah, it's where it's where I live. It's where I live. Anyway, anyway, so let's take a, a step away from Tea Time Adventures. So that's available digitally for twenty five bucks on the Snowbird Studios website, and physical copies very soon. Do you know what they're going to cost? Uh, yeah, the MSRP for the book is fifty. All right. Okay. So um, go to PAX East next week. Hopefully. You know, Hopefully. Yet, then... <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Let's talk about Birds of a Feather. First of all, I noticed that this is a re-implementation, I guess, uh, of an existing game, Birds of a Feather, because it's got this subtitle, Western North America, which is also interesting to me because generally if I see a North American-themed wildlife game, it tends to go more Eastern North America, which is what I'm familiar with. So I might not know a lot of the birds in this game. (laughs) So so talk about the game. So what makes this game special to you? Oh, that's it. Big question. So this game uh, was originally on Kickstarter in 2015. It's designed by Teal Fristo. And Teal lives in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley in okay. California. And when I lived there, I still had a YouTube channel that I was doing reviews for. <laughs> and so because he was local and whatnot, uh, I got to play the game early. And I actually gave him a quote for his Kickstarter page. And I eventually made a video for it. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, and I backed it. Got my copy in 2015, 2016, whatever that was. Back back in those days, I kickstarted a lot of stuff. I kickstarted. Some would argue too many things. <laughs> How many uh, in, is too many, though, really? I, let's just say I did a Kickstarter <laughs> hiatus, and I have recently started kickstarting again. And since I've recently started kickstarting, I've kickstarted, I think, 
to 12 games, I have 189 projects backed. So over 100 and only in like a four year period, maybe. Yeah. So a lot. But uh, out of all those games that I backed, uh, Birds of Feather is the only one I kept uh, straight. So there's that. This game, the original version, has lived in my quiver, my travel like game kit uh, Mm -hmm. since I basically got it. It plays one to seven players, and it has been like a staple for like pulling out and playing as like a quick thing. The problem was it came with uh, paper score sheets, and the app and stuff kind of stopped being supported. So I started having to like covet the paper score sheets and like laminated some and like you may use a paper sheet, but you must you must mark it this way so that the next game we can mark it this way. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, it became like a whole thing. And it was a game, my partner and I, we actually had it at our wedding. Like as part of like our wedding and hanging out, we played Birds of Feather with like everybody and people were like rotating through and playing it. So this game's like been a game that I've loved and it's been a part of my life for a long time. And in November of 2021 we were seeing friends for the first time in a whole pandemic and they were just randomly like hey that bird game we played at your wedding we bought and we've played it with our family and we can't get it anymore is it available and i was like no it's out of print and he's not going to print it again and steve my partner turns to me and goes you should print it (laughs) and i was like i'm at hava i can't print a game and he was like "Hmm, okay and then he was like well i mean (laughs) But you could. And I was like, yeah, but I'm like, I'm at Hava. And then uh, a month later, I was no longer at Hava. And then <laughs> a month later, I announced I was reprinting Birds of a Feather. So yeah. I how see. That works. <laughs> yeah. So the feedback has been massive. Teal only printed, to get like technical on this and businessy, Teal only printed 3,000 units of the game. And if you look at BGG's history, in the entire seven years that that game has been out, only 49 copies have been sold through BGG's used marketplace. Okay. So... 49 copies out of 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. So people hold on to it. Yeah. People hold on to it. And the feedback that we've had of people excited that we're bringing it back so other people can buy it and like it can be a thing makes me very, very happy about my business decision. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. But yeah, it's a great game. It's so straightforward. It's so simple. It works the player counts. It's so fast. Like a lot of people say like, oh, it's a quick card game. And then they play and it's like half an hour or an hour. Like this is no a quick card game and it works. Teal did it. Teal is actually a birder. He is a, an award-winning birder, I learned. Oh. Oh. Um, and me. yeah, and his brother is, a, is an actual artist and illustrator and did the card art. So it's a game that Teal made with a lot of love. And I feel really honored that he trusted me to like reprint it. And part of the reason why you might notice the Western North America <laughs> is because the game, the birds, all the birds are from the West Coast of North America. And I really love this game. And I would, I, I mean, I can't promise anything, but we do want to do other regions of the world, including the uh, perhaps Eastern part <laughs> of this continent. Just throwing that out we there. do yeah. exist. You can, you can recycle <laughs> some of the birds. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so we want the, we're working on the design, um, not to, you know, put any yeah. count chickens before eggs or count chickens before chickens eggs hatch. Before they hatch. Before yeah. They hatch. yeah. <laughs> but we are working on, because one of the things that always annoyed me with like games where there's like multiple different editions is if there's nothing different, but then there's also two different. 
So we're working on figuring that out because it is the original is such a solid design. I want any additional versions we put out to be just as solid sure. without just making it, oh, there's different birds. So, yeah. So I, uh, while you were talking, I backed it. <laughs> oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! $17,099! Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but there's a lot of things that I think are really interesting about this Kickstarter campaign which I think we could talk about. And I mean, I just think they're super smart. So the one, oh, one thing I do want to talk about, when we reviewed Canopy, mm-hmm. we talked about how Tim Eisner and uh, Weird City Games really was like, no, this really is going to be like an eco-friendly game. There was no plastic in the box. It was all like almost cardboard paper pa- sleeves paper and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's something that you were like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to out-eco you, bro. <laughs> Tim has been a great sport about that. I actually have had a couple conversations with Tim because I was watching the campaign and I asked him, like, who did you print with and all such stuff. And then I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) So, by the way, that would qualify as a really great nonviolent conflict. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just going to bring it back a little bit for that one. I think that's uh, a yeah. So yeah, and and also because you are a game fan, you talked a lot about putting out a quality title. Yeah. From the beginning, can you talk about that yeah. a little bit? Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'm going to give a little bit of context too about Snowbright. So one of the really nice things about Snowbright and why I bought into this company was because because Snowbright is a contract for hire company in basically a different industry. We have a team that knows how to make high quality products really well. And we also have a team that is paid for to make high quality products by our other contracts. And so we can kind of lead into that and make sure that the games that we're making and we're producing, we actually like want to make. We're not trying to rush a product because I need to, you know, like we're not trying to rush a product through just to have a product just to sell it, just to make a quick dime and and move away. I don't want to do that. It's not sustainable from a business standpoint and an environmental standpoint. It's not sustainable to do that for too long. And so I really only want to make products that I actually care about and am, you know, committed to. And so that's one of the big reasons why Birds and Feather is the, the title we're starting with for the card games. So because we're not sitting here making the product just to make a quick buck, we can not only invest time and money into the product from a design standpoint, we want to make sure that the quality is there on the actual product that gets manufactured. Because one of the problems from an eco standpoint is when you make a lot of products that are lower quality, it means you're making a lot of products that are lower quality that tend to wear out faster, they're not kept longer, and they just end up in landfills. It's just the nature of it. If you look at Goodwills and you look at one of the really annoying and frustrating things is there was a lot of articles that happened a few years ago with the whole Mary Kondo, the joy of cleaning shenanigans where people were just like donating massive amounts of stuff. And these thrift stores and stuff were just like, please don't take what, like, this is just junk. You're just giving us your junk, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is great for you to get it out of your house, but don't give it to us. (laughs) Acknowledge what it's actual junk and throw it away. It's because people use goodwill as like moral therapy to not throw out junk. They yeah. Give it the goodwill instead. Exactly. Well, and a lot of that, if you look at a lot of those products and you and you walk around like a Walmart and stuff and you just kind of look at the products that are on a lot of those shelves, they literally just exist to give that company product like profit. 
Like yeah. it's not necessarily something that's designed to be thoughtful and used repeatedly. It's like a one-time do this thing. Ha ha ha. Isn't this a lark or whatever? Yep. It. Yeah. So I want the, qu- and, and one of the ways that people kind of treat products that way is, is when the quality is lower, they also put that in their brain space. Like think of the kids game section at Target or Walmart, yeah. right? Same mm-hmm. vibe. Hobby gamers don't have that problem as much. Like hobby gamers are like, no, these games are like quality and this is what we want. And so I'm like, sweet. Yes. But we're just going to start there. Like, I'm not even going to pretend to start at like the, oh yeah, we'll just make this card game at base. I'm like, no, I'm just going straight to the highest quality. Like we're just going there. Just doing it straight yeah. on. And yet the game is still affordable at 20 bucks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for, for yes, uh, the MSRP will be 22 and that's just partially because the eco stuff and then also just the realities of manufacturing right now. All game prices are just going to go up. But it is 20 bucks for the Kickstarter now, so you do save some cash well, by backing. Well, it also feels like you're making a statement there to say, like, look, this is a good quality game material-wise, but we're also, you know, we're willing to pay a little bit more for something that isn't stuffed full of plastic. Are you? And in the board game community, people have been saying for years, like, hey, you know, maybe we could do this with less plastic. Maybe we could do this. And you're saying, okay, let's do it. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. And and there's been a lot of talk in the last few years about shrink wrap. Oh, no shrink wrap on games. Why are we shrink wrapping? Da, 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 shrink wrap. And I've had a lot of, when I was at Haba, we actually did an entire experiment about shrink wrap. It didn't go well. Like zipper sticker things. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It didn't go well, which is why it's not a thing that's still happening. But um, <laughs> there were a lot of other factors involved around why it didn't go well for Haba. But other companies have been doing it more in tabletop. Robinsberger made a commitment to it, and they've stuck to it, and it's going well for them. Um, and so it is something that's kind of been proven. And so retailers are like, yeah, I don't care. Let's just do it. And so now, now I'm like, to the consumers, I'm like, sweet. If you say these things, let's do it. We're just going to do it. Put yeah. your... Put your money where your Twitter rant is. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so there's also like a educator kind of librarian angle here with this Kickstarter. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So there's a few. Uh, so the game is inherently, the gameplay itself is not necessarily, it's not educational aside from like these birds live in these habitats from like a design standpoint, just if you're talking about how the game plays. But sure. because we're using actual birds that are like in real life, <laughs> mm-hmm. we can kind of include and can help with like bird facts. So we've done a couple things, one of which is we've partnered with an organization called Journey North. Uh, and so Journey North is a nonprofit company that um, collects and does citizen science for migration studies. There, it's a program at the University of Wisconsin-Madison Arboretum. And so they look at different migratory species and they collect data from citizens on that information. And then they use that data to fund different research initiatives and they provide it free to different scientists and stuff. And they also do different research at the university itself. And in part of that, the other stuff that they do is they have a lot of information and facts about these species that they track. And so they are partnering with us to give us information about that. And then we are partnering with them by getting more information about them out to the wider world so that people can help them collect data. But there's some really great resources that Journey North has for teachers to do different like lesson plans. And they have a whole educator website section 
for different projects that you can do with different age ranges and classrooms, and even stuff that you can do as like a homeschooler or just a parent that's bored on a Tuesday. <laughs> I, I don't undersell that. That's, uh, that's an important. Oh, hey, it's spring break. And um, we need something to do. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. say, like, especially it, if it's it, rainy and gross outside. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the website and organization is really great. And they have great resources for educators and stuff. And the other thing, because we're partnering with them, and we're going to put some information in the rule book to help educators and stuff, we want to also get these games to educators. Games in schools and libraries is something that I have always been super passionate about. I made a program at Haba where we did that. Um, I worked with a couple different organizations to help get Haba games to daycares, preschools, Montessori schools, that kind of stuff. This game's a little older, so we're not targeting preschools uh, anymore. One of the hardest parts of getting games to schools and libraries is cost. Some schools have grants and money that they can purchase, but a lot of times it's just teachers and librarians spending money out of their own pockets to buy games that they feel would benefit their classrooms or buildings. And so what we have done is we made a pledge level on the Kickstarter called Flock Together, and you could back the Kickstarter at this level you would receive a copy of the game for yourself. And then you also are kind of paying it forward. You are buying a copy at a reduced price to go to an educator or a librarian. And so, yeah, and that level, we had to limit it because we're going to pay the shipping on that for to ship to the libraries and the educators. So we did have to limit it. And it's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> so we have 100 copies that are paid for going to educators and librarians now. And we do not have 100 librarians or educators on our mailing list to do that. So if you know anybody who might like an awesome bird game that is for one to seven players in their classroom or library, there's a sign up on the website to join the mailing list and the list that we're going to pull names from to ship copies to. So yeah, they're paid for. You don't have to do anything. No payment required. You don't have to back the Kickstarter. You don't have my to only like request is order or anything. <laughs> no, my only request is just look at the Kickstarter to see if the game is going to work for your classroom. Please don't sign up if it's for five-year-olds. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I feel like we've covered a lot of territory. A couple other things. No stretch goals on this one. Like we said, you went straight to the top. Yep. This is the thing. Super recyclable. I also noticed uh, on Twitter, you posted something about accessibility kits. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. This is something I feel strongly about. So I would love to hear you talk about it a little bit. Yeah, cool. So do you, I don't know how many people know about this, but there is a small company called 64 Ounce Games. And this company makes accessibility kits for blind and low vision gamers. They use the kits to make board games and card games playable for blind and low vision players. Okay. And it's, it's a small company. It's been around for several years and I have worked with them. I worked with them when I was at Hava. So they have, they make kits for Hava games. So if you have a blind or low vision kiddo, they have lots of kids games. And I reached out and asked how hard it would be to make kits for birds of a feather. And Richard was super awesome. And he was like, very easy, it turns out uh, to make these kits. (laughs) So he is really excited. And he was very happy to offer um, the accessibility kits as an add on for our Kickstarter. So you can back the game and then add the accessibility kit add-on. And what it is, is it's a separate kit that'll come. We're not sure yet if it's going to ship at the same time or if it's going to ship separate. We'll see. But it's a separate kit that has card sleeves, which are plastic, but they're card sleeves 
with Braille stickers on them. That is and awesome. what you do is Richard is amazing. So what Richard does is when he makes these kits, he makes them by hand. So he verifies they're right because he can he can read Braille and he's sighted. He actually puts the sleeves and the stickers in the order that the cards come in from the factory so that you don't have to be sighted to put the cards in the correct sleeves and you don't need to be able to read Braille. So if you're a sighted person, you can put them together without worrying about messing up, you know, putting the red black bird and where the hummingbird is. And if you're not sighted, then you can do it without assistance. So he puts a lot of work into that to make sure it's right. And we're going to work with him on timing to make sure we get that set up right. But yeah, and then you can play the game with a mix of sighted and non-sighted players. There's no rule changes. It's entirely playable that's that way. That's awesome. That's, a, yeah. that's amazing. So I am so excited that that worked out and we were able to figure out how to do that. So yeah. Very very cool. That is so cool. All right. I I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? I think that's probably enough. This game I mean, sounds awesome. And there is the app. Oh, yeah. We should talk about the app. I'm actually <laughs> excited. I was scrolling through this and I was like, mm, I could get the app like very soon. So maybe. Okay, I'll do this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, you get extra points because the mock-up of an in-progress solo game was done on an iPhone 13, which is the phone that I have. So it worked out. There you go. Yeah, because that matters. Because that that, right. that that is the reason. Yep, that's the only reason we're getting backers. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that we talk about with sustainability is the game does. It's kind of akin to a flip and fill. It's almost one of the first flip and fills. If you're going to really go that way. It plays like it. It isn't, but it plays a little like it. But each player needs their own score sheet. And from a sustainability standpoint, that's a lot of paper. And so one of the things that Teal did was he made an app originally. His was just a web app that you could like put on your phone. We actually have an app development team. So at Snowbright, so we actually made a new modified score app, which is native. So you'll actually install it on your phone using whatever Apple, Android, whatever you use. We also have a web browser still. So if you just want to load it via the web, it's there. But because I have an app team who that is amazing and I cannot stop them, they actually <laughs> made the solo game. So they decided they had some time. <laughs> 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 they literally, the, the head developer came to the project meeting and we were like, cool, is the app score sheet done? And they were like, yeah. Also, I've been thinking about like maybe doing the solo game as part of the app. And I was like, yeah, we can like scope it out and see. And they were like, yeah, um, I already have a functional working prototype. Do you want to play it? <laughs> and I was like, ah! Yes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the cool things we're doing is we're, we have the solo game and it's as an app and it's fully playable and it exists. These are not mock-ups. These are like screenshots. It says it's a mock-up. That's a lie. (laughs) And uh, what we're going to do is once the Kickstarter funds, we're going to send all backers a link to get the app so you can start playing the solo game immediately. And then when the game... We're ready to crush each other once we have the card game in our hands. exactly. And then when the physical game arrives, we'll make the app publicly available to everybody. So it will be a free app. And it'll just be one app that has the score sheet in it and has the solo game. So when you're not able to play, you can play solo. So, yeah. 
But the nice part is, is our, we're kind of using the Kickstarter backers as our beta testers. So that's kind of like that's very that's a very like meta like on brand Kickstartery thing to do. Also, I appreciate the economy of using some of the storage on my phone for both a solo play app and the score sheet. So right, know. I'm just being smart is what it is. It's right. really you're, just, you're crushing guess. Weird City like left and right. Oh no, don't say it like that. <laughs> I love him. He's great. Yeah, no, he's great. I have Canopy. It's great. Don't. <laughs> he has Canopy too. It's right there. It's not a competition. There's room for everyone. <laughs> so T, thank you so much for coming on the show. Wearing a different hat. Again. No, not again. But... <laughs> it's a very similar hat to where it I was in Abba. Yeah. It is a very similar hat. So where can people find all things Snowbright Studios. Uh, Snowbrightstudio.com is our main website. Social media, it's a little, they're a little different for each of the platforms, but it's S Bright Studio on Twitter. There'll just be links. Just go to the website. They're all linked there. <laughs> yes, yes um, we will. Can do. Yeah, yeah. And the Birds and Feather is on Kickstarter now. And even if we have funded, we would absolutely love your support because the more money that we get above funding, the more copies we can print and the more copies we can print, the lower our price per unit is. And also the more money we get to Journey North. Because in addition, after the Kickstarter is fully done, we're not going to be giving any Kickstarter money to them. But after the Kickstarter is done, every unit sold in North America, a percentage of those profits will go to Journey North as well. So if you want to continue supporting us, supporting Journey North in that way, um, <laughs> help us make more copies. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm excited. I'm ex- I mean, I have 20 days until I can play the game because I'm a Kickstarter backer. So there. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And the physical game will be done and printed this year. Knock on wood. So, yeah. (laughs) That's a scary thing to say. (laughs) I know, but it's like, it's, it's done. The game is done. The box design is done. The, I have the, the printer is like, we just need the cash. (laughs) Well, Lord willing and the Creek don't rise. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we know where to find T. Where can people find us? Well, you can find us at thefamilygamers.com. You can find all of the podcast episodes all the way back to number one there. And <laughs> all like 300 something reviews, 400 reviews. I don't remember at this point. It's over 400. A lot. It's over 400. The videos, the audio, the written, all of it is there. You can also find us on social media. That's right. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. All of them at AA. We nailed that one down. You can also go to the Family Gamers community on Facebook. The easiest way is to go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community, or you can just go to Facebook and search for the Family Gamers community. We have a YouTube channel. Very hard to find. The Family Gamers. The Family Gamers. We would appreciate more subscribers there because the more subscribers we have, the easier it gets to actually get our videos out there. To, to self-justify that we're going to spend time making another video. I mean that too. Yeah, yeah a, absolutely. A five-minute video takes surprisingly long to make. <laughs> Check out our Family Gamers and Play Games with Your Kids and A Balanced Life merchandise at thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. Buy t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and stuff. Yeah. If you like what you see and hear, or if you don't, you can always email us. <laughs> Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like it. Tell your friends about the podcast, even if you don't like it. And uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you subscribe. All right. Family Gamers podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. 
Please head over to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Well, that was a lot. T, um, we did it again. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show. I think that is plenty, and that's going to be it for this week. This has been super fun. I'm so excited for this game now. All right. Yay. And congratulations on your new adventures. And we'll see you next week. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> So until next week, everybody, play games with your kids. kids.